As we start a new brand new series in Ephesians, um, I thought um, instead of me giving you a bit of the context, I thought we'd watch a short video that will give you a little bit of context of the book of Ephesians. That's it. That's the context of, of it. I've titled this series, Living Gospel Beings. Living Gospel Beings. The gospel is the good news of Jesus, but many times we see it as a lifeless gospel or just a knowledge-based gospel. One of the struggles many believers have is, is how to translate the gospel we believe into the life that we live. So what's the goal? And I want to just share this right from the beginning. The goal of this series, there are two goals that I have. Firstly, um, I hope that by the end of this series, that you would be able to um, clearly articulate what the gospel is. If someone came and asked you, what is the gospel? That you would be able to clearly articulate, this is what it is. And the second goal is this. I hope that by the end of the 12 weeks, that you would be able to understand how that gospel plays in your life. Okay? So they're the two goals. Um, one of my favorite movies is called Shawshank Redemption, right? It's an old movie, okay? If you haven't watched it, go and watch it. One of the greatest movies, I think. Now, instead of telling you about the whole movie, I just want to introduce one, a character to you, and it's a guy named Red, okay, who is played by Morgan Freeman. And this, this man called Red is a prisoner in this jail, and he's been there for 40 years. And the reason why he's in there for 40 years is because he was convicted of murder, okay? And he says himself, everyone else thinks that they're guilty in this jail, but I am not, okay? Anyway, after 40 years, 40 years, okay, in jail, he finally gets released. And, and to help him out, they give him a job in a supermarket, okay? Now, I just want to show you another quick video of what this scene is, and we'll go from there. Right, short scene. I'm all about short videos today. What's interesting is, for 40 years, this man was a criminal in jail. And as a criminal in jail, he gave up the right, well, not gave up the right, he had no rights to do the things that he wanted to do when he wanted to do them. And one of the things is to go to the bathroom. Right? As a criminal, you go to the bathroom when they let you go to the bathroom. Right? You don't get to go, oh, I really need to go to the bathroom, so I go to the bathroom. No, you go when they tell you to go. There was no freedom in that. But in this case, we see that this man who is now not in jail, he's actually out of jail. He's free. Still asks permission to go to the bathroom. Even though he was free from prison, free to live his own life, he was still asking for permission. It's like he didn't know what he now had out of jail. Freedom. He had this freedom to live his life, but it's like he didn't know. See, I believe that as Christians, as believers of Jesus Christ, we can be like this too, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This is the gospel message. And yet, sometimes, even though we say we believe that, 
And even though we say that we're Christian, we're followers of Jesus, it's like we don't know what that means for us. It does, we don't know what we gain from that. Paul starts the letter to the believers in Ephesus with a reminder of what God has done for them. And we're going to be looking at chapter 1, uh, verse 1 to 14, and we're going to go through these verse by verse. Verse 3 says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. As believers of Jesus who are in Christ, what Paul is saying is that we are blessed. We are blessed. One writer says that the, 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 the letter that Paul writes is designed to lift the reader's eyes away from themselves and from their fears to the majesty and love of God revealed in his unfolding plan and the privilege of participating in it. And as we go through this letter, let me ask you, do you know what you have? As a believer of Jesus, do you know what you are blessed with? You know, a lot of times we don't. A lot of times we, we just think, I, I'm a Christian now and I have salvation and, and I don't, I'm not going to go to hell. And we have ideas of what we have as a Christian. But do you really know? Now, there are six things that Paul's going to mention in this, in this part of the letter that we have as a spiritual blessing as a blessing that we have from God as believers, okay? Okay, so I'm going to run through these six. Number one is this. God chose us. That's the blessing, that we're chosen. Okay, verse four. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. The first blessing that we have as believers is that God chose us. We are chosen. And it wasn't after you were born. It wasn't after God saw your life. It wasn't after God evaluated your personality. No, before you were born, God chose you. You're chosen. Now, I don't know if you, if you understand whether that's a blessing or not. Okay, like when I was in high school, right, I went to all boys school. And one of the things that they do is they play basketball. Right, But the problem is you can't play 20 people versus 20 people. But there's 40 people that want to play. Okay, Some of the guys would understand right, where I'm going with this. So they pick teams. Right? Usually the two best players are the captains. I was never the captain. Right? And they will stand there and they will say, oh, I want John on my team or I want you know, Sam on my team. And, you know, and they pick teams. They pick teams. And if, if you get chosen, that's... The greatest feeling ever, especially in high school when fitting in is, you know, your goal in life. You know, every time I didn't get chosen, it was such a deflating feeling that I would just go sit on the sideline and eat my lunch and just watch, thinking about what it would be like to be chosen. And then there was one day, one day I got chosen 
And it was the greatest day of my high school life. But the only reason why I got chosen is because the guy who was the captain that day happened to be my friend. <laughs> and, and, and he didn't want to choose me, but he knew if he didn't choose me that I wouldn't be his friend. And so he had to make that choice. But it was such a great day. What a blessing it is for you to know that God chose you. Out of all the people in this world, God chose you. I wouldn't choose some of you. <laughs> I'll be honest. But God chose you. What a blessing that is. Secondly, not only did God choose us, the spiritual blessing. Secondly, God adopted us. Verse 5 and 6, in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. See, not only did God choose you, okay, God didn't just choose you, but he chose you to become his child. Now, this is an amazing thing that, you know, we could, we could spend hours just sitting and talking about this, and I hope that you do in your life groups, but, but God didn't just choose you, but he chose you to be his child, his family. We are not fatherless, but we have a heavenly father that adopted us. And when we are in Christ... Okay, and this phrase is going to keep coming. When we are in Christ, we are not just, hey, I'm on God's team. No, I am God's son. I am God's daughter. Very different concept, right? Very different from I believe in God, which some of you are at, to saying I am the son of God. I am a daughter of God. Very different idea. But this is what God blesses us with. Thirdly, God redeemed us and he forgave us. Verse 7 and 8. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. God redeemed us, meaning what? He paid the price to save us. That's what redeeming is. Made payments. He made payment for your soul. Now, in, in, in chapter 2, uh, Paul's going to talk about well, what was the old life of death like and what was the new life through the blood of Jesus. He saved us from slavery and death. And not only did he redeem us, but he forgave our sins. And sometimes we forget. We forget this. We forget that the sins that God saved us from, that the sins that God forgave us for, are the sins that we're committing against him. Not just sins, not just trespasses, not just wrongdoings, but these are wrongdoings against God himself and they're the ones that he forgave you. So let's not take forgiveness lightly. It's not like God just forgave some abstract idea of your sin. No, God forgave the sin you are committing against him. That's the blessing. The fourth thing that we see is God revealed his plan to us. Verse 9 and 10. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. 
God tells us His grand cosmic plan. What's the blessing? What's the blessing in this? God brings you in on His story. This is the one that actually struck me the most this time around when I was studying. It was, wow, God didn't need to reveal His plan to me. He didn't need to tell me what He was up to. I could just be a part of it. God could just do it. But no, He told me and He brings me in. He goes, hey, Steve, so this is my plan. It's amazing. What an amazing blessing it is that God just doesn't exist to do something, but He actually gets involved. He wants you to get involved. Allows us to know what's going on. The fifth spiritual blessing is that God gives us His inheritance. Verse 11 and 12. I'm going to read this in the NIV, and I'm going to read it in the ESV. NIV says this, In Him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity, with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. Now, this is the ESV. In him we have obtained an inheritance. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. Here's the thing. Not as orphans, but as sons and daughters, we are given an inheritance. We are co-heirs with Christ. And what's that inheritance? That inheritance is eternity. When we are in Christ, one of the greatest blessings that we have is an inheritance of eternity. Now think about the opposite of this, right? When you're not in Christ, what do you receive? not internal life. What an amazing blessing for those that are in Christ, that we have an inheritance and an eternal future waiting for us. And Finally, the, the sixth spiritual blessing that Paul outlines in this passage is found in 13 and 14. God gives to us a guarantee, money back guarantee. You also were included in Christ when you heard the message of the truth, the, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. When we believed, we were marked in him with a seal. What's that seal? A Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. What's a seal? Okay. Uh, many times, a, a seal is used to guarantee security or indicate ownership. Okay, I got a picture of a seal. Okay. It's not an animal, by the way, if that's what you're thinking, because that'd be really confusing. Many times when letters were written in the day of the Romans, they were sealed with wax. Okay, so that's wax. And then the imprint of the king or of the Lord would be made on that seal. And what that is saying is two things. One, this is my letter. I'm the one who wrote this letter. And if the seal is not broken, it is guaranteed that it is that person who wrote that letter. Okay, but obviously if, if the seal's broken, then someone probably tampered with that letter. See, what, what, God is, uh, what, what Paul is saying is that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee. 
We have the Holy Spirit. It's not just the Holy Spirit guides us and leads us and is our spiritual conscience, but the fact that we have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is alive is enough for us to believe that, that, that the inheritance, the eternal inheritance is waiting for us. We don't have to second guess that because we have the Holy Spirit. This is the blessings that we have when we are in Christ. So each of these things are such amazing things. We have God's favor and protection all over our lives. We are not weak. We are not alone. We don't have to second guess our future. We don't have to question whether our sins are forgiven. We don't have to worry about whether God will be there on that last day. We don't have to concern ourselves whether eternity exists or not. Because Jesus blesses us with these truths in our lives. We get all of this. This is available for every believer who is in Christ. We get all of this because of who you are in Christ. We are blessed because of who Christ has made us to be. We are blessed because of our identity in Christ. But what's the problem? The problem is this. The problem is that even though we are believers... We live our lives as if we don't have any of this. And, and I ask you, spiritually, like as a believer who is in Christ, all the things that I mentioned, do you know you have this? Do you know this is readily available for you? Do you know you are blessed with all of these things? And sometimes we don't. Sometimes we don't. And it comes down to this, why? Why do we struggle to believe we have these spiritual blessings? And it comes down to the fact that we don't believe who God has called us to be. It's not a question of what we have and don't have. It's actually a question of who you believe you are. If you know who you are, you will know what you have. If you know who you are, you will know what you have. Some of us live with what we call an orphan spirit. See, God says, I've taken you, I've adopted you as a son and daughter. But for some of us, we still live as if we're waiting for adoption. We still live as orphans. And I just want to quickly show you what the difference is between an orphan spirit and a spirit of a son. It's a completely different mindset. Now, I'm going to give you this really big, ugly chart. Can you read that? Great. I'm just going to pick out a few examples for you. Okay? <laughs> Security. A son. Let's start with a son. A son knows that they are loved and accepted. But an orphan is insecure and is often jealous of those around him. Now, as I go through, as I said, if you want that, that table, I'll email it to you. But I'm just going to go through three things. And I want you to start to see, uh, do I really believe that I'm blessed as a son and daughter? Or am I still living an orphan life? The orphan spirit operates out of insecurity 
whereas the son operates out of love. Secondly, there's this one called motives for service. The orphan serves, right? Serves God as a personal achievement to impress God or impress others. But a son, when they serve, they're motivated by a deep gratitude for being loved and accepted by God. For orphans, they serve only to impress or try to gain favor of their father or those around them, whereas a son is not insecure that way. They believe that they are loved and accepted by God to start off with. And so when they serve, they're serving out of a gratitude. They're not trying to receive anything when they serve. They're actually giving out because they have already received. Big difference between an orphan and a son. Uh, Another one that I thought was really interesting, especially for our non-married friends and, uh, and family, motives for purity. Why should I stay pure? Right? An orphan must be holy to have God's favor, thus increasing a sense of shame and guilt when they can't stay pure. Whereas a son wants to be holy. Big difference, right? They want to be holy. They don't want anything to hinder the intimate relationship they have with their father. People ask me, right? in a relationship, right? In a dating relationship. How far is too far? You know, the Bible talks about um, sexual purity all the time, okay? And, and people come and ask me genuinely, they say, how far is too far, right? The orphan sees that line, sees what they think is a line, and they think that as long as I don't cross that line, I am sexually pure. Right? And usually, let's just put it out there, because we're all adults here, usually these people are thinking as long as I don't have sexual intercourse, then I have not crossed that line. But these people, they're thinking like orphans because they're trying to push that line. And they're trying to think, well, if I do this and if they fail, then they feel guilty and shame. Because they have disappointed their father. But for sons... They look at that line, they look at that line, and, and, and it's not how close can they get to that line. Their actual thinking is, how far can I get away from that line? Because I do not want to compromise the relationship that I have with my father. Because that is the most secure relationship that they have. Very big difference. See, it's a, it's a huge difference between the heart of a son and the heart of an orphan. Now go back to Shawshank. See, the character of Red in Shawshank continued to ask to go to the bathroom, right, even though he was free. And the manager says to him, hey, you don't need to ask me to go to the bathroom. You can just go to the bathroom. But why is it that he continued to ask to go to the bathroom? It's because even though he was free, he still had the mindset he was still wearing his old clothes. He was still used to being a criminal and he didn't need the bars to think like that. Who you belong to will ultimately determine your identity. And what your identity, your identity will then determine the purpose of your life. If you belong to Christ, then you are a new creation. And this is what, this is what Paul's going to keep saying. 
It's not if you belong to Christ, you will become a Christian. No, if you belong to him, you have thrown off the old and you're wearing the new clothes. You're a Christian. You're a believer. You're a follower. You're a new identity. You just need to now learn how to become, you know, to grow into those clothes. That's what it means. When you know who you belong to, see, the old has gone and the new has come, and and what you get in your life, God promises these amazing spiritual blessings. But if you struggle to work out who you belong to, then what comes out of that is a very confused identity. And what comes out of that is an even more confusing lifestyle. Let me tell you what that looks like. If you are not secure in your relationship with God, saying, I belong to God. Okay? Now, can I tell you, there's a very big difference between I think I belong to God and I belong to God. Okay? When you say, I belong to God, you are sure of who you are. And out of that assurance, everything happens. The way you live your life, the way you choose, the way you make decisions comes out of that solid place. But when you think you belong to God, when you think you belong to God, but you aren't sure all the time, what happens is just confusion comes out. Because sometimes you feel secure and sometimes you feel insecure. Sometimes you believe God loves you and sometimes you question whether he does or not. Sometimes you think God is there and sometimes you're like, I don't know if he's listening to me. It's all because you are not secure. You have not completely assured yourself that that's who you belong to. If you know who you are, you know what you have. If you belong to Jesus Christ, right? This is the truth. If you belong to Jesus Christ, you are a son and daughter of God. Full stop. And I know some of you are like, that, that's a struggle right there because some of you are like, well, you know, I need to live a good life and then, you know, I, I need to tithe, I need to serve and I need to, you know, do this and I need to live morally. No, no, no. Identity comes first. Identity comes first, and when you are sure of who your identity is, then your actions follow. Your actions never make your identity. Just because you do good things doesn't make you a good person. But a good person will do good things. Just because you do holy things doesn't make you holy. But a holy person, out of a holy person, holy things will happen. When you belong to Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. And it's got nothing to do with how you feel about it. It's got nothing to do with your circumstances. It's just a declaration to say that this is who I belong to. This is who I belong to. This is who I am. And when you know that identity, then everything else comes next. Because when you are a child of God, And Paul says this to us, we are blessed. This is what you have. This is what you have. When you you belong to God, when you're a child of God, this is the blessing. 
These are the blessings. You are chosen. You are adopted. You are redeemed and forgiven. God has revealed His plans to you. You have an inheritance waiting for you. And God has put a seal on your life, claiming ownership and identity. You are His. Full stop. It's got nothing to do with how you feel about that. I don't know if God, you know, I, I don't feel adopted today. I don't feel chosen today. No, 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 no. This is God declaring that truth over your life. I think sometimes we give our emotions way too much power in our lives. But think about it, right? If, your emotion, if you let your emotions run your life, you will be up and down all the time. If I, if, if I let my feelings determine my, the, the, the way that I live my life, how many of us, on, let's be honest, it, sometimes we don't feel like going to work. Right? If we let our feelings determine the actions of our life, tomorrow half of us will not go to work. I will be playing golf. My children will have no income if that's up to me. But that's why we don't let Feelings run our lives. We let our identity, the declaration of who we are, run our life. Friends, when you decide, or when you decided that I want to belong to God, that I want my life to be in Jesus Christ, these are the blessings that await you. Now, I know some of these, right, you look at this and, and you sort of, you don't know what that means for you. And, and, and I apologize because we haven't had enough time to probably nut it all out. But hopefully in your life groups, this is what we're going to talk about. What does it mean that God chose you? You know, what does it mean that he adopted you? What does it mean that he has an inheritance for you? But what you need to understand is this. These are not things you need to earn. These are not things that you will one day deserve. No. But when you decide, I'm going to belong to God. I'm going to put my trust in His Son, Jesus Christ. Then, bam! You get this. These are yours. Maybe there's some of you that you don't know who you belong to. You, you don't belong. You haven't made a choice to belong to God. And that means you either belong to yourself or you belong to the world. And maybe for some of you, you're like, you know, I'm living my life and I'm living it for myself and I'm, I'm always coming up short. I'm always coming up empty. I'm always coming up a little bit like, you know, there's something missing. And I'm going to tell you tonight that, yes, there is something missing in your life. It's God. And missing God in your life is a big deal because it's God that created you, that gave you your identity, that gave you your purpose. And for you to live without Him, you're missing a big, the big point. You know, we all belong to somebody. And maybe tonight you're reading, uh, you're listening to this and you're like, man, I, I would love to be adopted as a son and daughter. I would love to be secure in my life, not have to worry, not have to be anxious about what tomorrow holds. I would love some peace in my life. And God promises you all of these to those that are in Christ. Some of you are like, I want these blessings in my life. I want my sins to be forgiven. I want a heavenly father that loves me for who I am. 
And tonight, you need to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and come into a place where you are in Christ. Maybe tonight, that's a decision that you uh, will make and have to make, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that soon. But I know that there's some of you, maybe, maybe you decided, you know, I'm, I'm going to belong to God. I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going to follow. But you're still restless. You're still restless. You still have doubt. You're still uh, insecure, trying to please God with your works, trying to live a good life. Friends, God is saying to you tonight, you are not an orphan. When you decided to belong to me, I didn't just keep you on the side as an identity of an orphan. But when you made that choice, I brought you in as my son and daughter. I chose you even before you were born. Come and find rest and peace with me. So maybe for some of you tonight, it's not a question of, do I make a decision to belong to God? Maybe the question for some of you tonight is to shore up that identity, to be sure on who I belong to. As I said, there's a big difference between believing in God and being a child of God. Don't miss out what is available to you. Don't be like Red who continued to live out as a criminal even though he was free. Don't live. Don't be bound by the old life before Jesus when Jesus has given you freedom and he's blessed us with all these things. And yet we still struggle to, to live with our old lives. There's so much more, my friends. And it all comes from who do I belong to? Let's pray.